it's all a question of what revolves around what. It wasn't crazy hundreds of years ago to think that the earth was stationary and everything was revolving around it. That was the evidence of your senses. You didn't feel the earth move, but you saw the sun move from the east to the west. You saw in the night sky the, the moon and the stars moving across, uh, across the night sky. So it wasn't crazy. But now we know, actually, the sun is at the centre of our solar system and we are revolving around it. It's all a question of what revolves around what. In our passage, uh, Peter tells us, but in your heart set apart Christ as Lord. He, in our hearts, has to be at the very centre of who we are. We can't or shouldn't treat him as a satellite uh, who just revolves around us. He's there when we need him. No, Peter's telling us, in our hearts, he has to be at the very centre of who we are. What does it mean to set apart? Well, it's not to set apart like a fragile ornament, you know, tucked in a, in a, a case far away from danger. It's not to set apart a treasure as to put it in a safety deposit box. It means to revere him. It means to take his authority, his love and his grace as the central realities of our life. We are to reverence him with everything we are and have. Reverence him. Why? Well, partly because he is the Christ. Christ in Greek is a translation of Messiah. In Hebrew, they both mean the anointed one. From Isaiah 61, we're told that the spirit of the sovereign Lord rested on Jesus in a, in a greater way than anyone in history, either before or since. He came, we're told, uh, to, to bring freedom for the captives, to open the eyes of the blind. He came, in other words, to release us from captivity, to take us, to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness, to bring us into, into his marvellous light. That's why we reverence him, because he is still the one who rescues us. He is still the one who binds up the brokenhearted. So we're to reverence him as Christ, as the anointed one, the one upon whom the spirit of the sovereign Lord rests. But we're also to set him apart to where to revere him as Lord. That word kurios is used uh, by uh, the writers of the Greek uh, Old Testament to translate the word Yahweh. So we're being told that he is Lord, that he is in some senses identified with Yahweh. So he shares in the divinity of Almighty God. So we are to reverence Jesus, reverence him in the very heart of who we are as the anointed one, the saviour, the rescuer, the one upon whom the spirit of the sovereign Lord rests. And we're to reverence him as divine. We, it's all a question of what revolves around what. Do we have that committed reverence for the Lord where we take him at his word and we take him seriously? Uh, is, are we revolving around him or are we actually asking him to be a satellite in our lives? But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord is what Peter challenges us to do in verse 15, invites us to do, to make the love and the truth of Jesus the very central commitment of our lives. So what does all this mean for us today? What does it mean to reverence his lordship? The first thing I think it means to obey his teaching, 
to seek to live out what he teaches. And in our passage, he talks about living in harmony with one another. He talks about living sympathetically, where we suffer with our brothers and sisters. We remember from Romans 12, to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. It means basically loving the family. There are all kinds of ways in which any family has its ups and downs. How we will respond to this idea that we need to love our brothers and sisters will often depend on how we've experienced family life for ourselves. But Peter tells us to obey the truth, to follow the Lordship of Christ in this, that we are to live in harmony with one another. I don't know how that challenges you. Maybe you need to start to take the, the step to trust others again. Maybe you need to get to a place of forgiveness or to, or to say sorry. The challenge is to live the grace that we've received. The challenge is to reverence uh, the Lordship of Jesus within the family of the church. And that means taking what he has said and asked us to do and living it out. I wonder how that challenges you. The second way we are told to reverence the Lord in this passage is to follow his example. There's a lot of talk in 1 Peter about sometimes we get treated unfairly. And the question is, how will we respond in those moments, whether we suffer criticism, whether we suffer persecution or opposition or spiritual warfare in whatever way the challenge is, will we follow his example in times like that? His example is extraordinary, of course. He prayed on the cross, uh, Father, forgive them for they, do know what the, they don't know what they're doing. We remember him washing uh, Judas's feet shortly before Jesus, Judas was about to betray him. So his example is extraordinary. But the power of the cross and the presence of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that it's such an ideal that it is way out of reach. I'm not saying it's easy, but the presence and power of the cross and the Spirit mean that it is possible for us to follow in his steps. And Peter tells us a number of times that if we follow in his steps, we will know God's favour. We will know his presence. We're told in this passage to seek peace and to pursue it. And if we do that, that we will know God's favour, that his eyes will be attentive, his ears will be open to our prayers. So we are to follow the example of Jesus. That's another way that we are to show that we reverence the Lord. And the third way from our passage is to share his grace. We are to be people who seek and speak blessing. We're not to repay uh, injury with injury. We're not to repay insult with insult. We are to speak blessing over those who oppose us. Speak blessing of those uh, uh, who criticize us. This is an incredibly challenging way to live. And yet, Peter tells us that living that way, we will know God's favor. And those over whom we speak blessing will know God's favour as well. We are to share his grace. Uh, the second half of verse 15 talks about always being prepared to give an answer to those who ask us for the hope that we have. When we, we live for Jesus, when we are, are people who live in faith and not fear, again, Peter tells us here, don't, don't live in fear as those around you live in fear. When we do that, 
it will attract uh, questions. People will want to know about the hope we have, about the peace that we enjoy. And he says again, share the grace that you have. Always be prepared to give a reason for anyone who asks you to, for the hope that is within you. But again, he crucially says, but do this with gentleness and with respect. We are to be people who seek peace and speak blessing over those around us. That sense of not living in fear, I think, is really, really powerful right now. I'm not saying it's easy at all. I'm not saying that actually we need to work ourselves up in a positive mental attitude and therefore we'll be able to hold on to it. What, what 1 John talks about is when we experience God's perfect love that drives out fear. It's something I think that we need to receive and then uh, we can abide within. Again, uh, Paul talks about God's peace coming and resting within us. Again, it is our experience of God's love that flows into us that then washes away our fear. It washes it out of our systems, or it can. We need to be people who stand on the love and the truth that Jesus gives us. We need to reverence him even in this, to say, actually, because I know your presence and your power, Lord Jesus, I'm going to refuse to live in fear. I'm going to receive your perfect love over and over again. I'm going to receive your peace. I'm going to try and abide in it and trust that that will drive out fear from our souls. So how do we reverence the Lord? How do we reverence the Anointed One? We obey his teaching. We don't teach it, treat it as optional extras. We don't allow him to revolve around us like a satellite. We accept his love and his truth at the center of who we are and we live it out. We walk the walk. What are the ways in which maybe you're not walking the walk at the moment? Uh, are you teach, uh, talking a much better game, game than you're actually playing? It might be a time to say, Lord, I'm going to reverence you in these areas of my life all over again. Thank you for, for your forgiveness. Help me to start anew. We reverence our, our Christ and our Lord again in the way that we follow his example. We don't repay evil for evil or insult for insult. We speak blessing over those who oppose us, criticize us. And whenever we're experiencing spiritual warfare, we come against it in the opposite spirit. How are you following the example of Jesus in those difficult places at the moment? Know that if you seek to do so, you will know his favour and his presence. Again, where are we being challenged to rise anew and to follow his example? And finally, we are to share his grace. That's the final way from our passage where we reverence the Lord. We reverence the Anointed One. Who around you is asking to know the hope that's within you at the moment? And are you in a place where you want to share the grace with others, but you're not feeling it right now? Again, we need to pray uh, that we will experience the perfect love of the Father driving out our fear. We need to pray that we will be comforted people so that we can comfort others. We need to pray that we will be people upon whom God's presence and God's peace comes to reside. Our Saviour is extraordinary in all kinds of ways. We need to set him apart as our Anointed One and as our Lord. How are you doing that at the moment? 
are what are the new ways in which the Lord might be asking you to do this and it definitely means obeying his teaching following his example and sharing his grace may you know God's favor as you seek to do this in ever greater measure amen